a podcast that has been known by many names in many places by many people but for us will always be magnificent it's a new podcast maximus uh joining me today are the european king himself tom mcnally i i'm not actually a monarch of of any nation but i i do play one in another show i thought that's real oh. <laughs> and, uh, i and have a queen of brides and pier marion hello i'm not actually a queen i just I just thought I'd say that as well. No, no, you actually are. They, they voted you in after we uh, we left for Pia. Okay. That, okay, yeah, I'll, I accept. I humbly accept the title. Thank you. That's good. There was quite a lot of bloodshed over the decision. <laughs> I will. I swear to do my newfound title justice. Mainly you have to look after that fortune-telling machine from Big and uh, feed him full of prophecies. That's, that's a main mm. job. Mm. Yeah, it's running on on fumes right now. It's uh, it's just telling people that they're going to die someday, which is accurate. But uh, <laughs> we are here in our deep underground bunker, ready to be filled with radiation for medicine, uh, to talk about the last three issues of Transformers: Lost Lights. Oh the, uh, yeah. Just in case you were wondering, Tom. <laughs> Which is the uh, the dissolution epilogue and the. Uh, the Grand Architect Two-Parter, I suppose we could, we could call it, if we were going to come up with a with a snazzy name. So uh, how, how did we feel about these uh, these three issues? Well, they're very different issues. So the epilogue is, I guess, a bit more linked to the ending of More Than Meets the Eye, whilst the, uh, what did we call the other one? Was it the Grand Architect uh, duology? Is... Um, it's almost like setting us off into something new, but not unfamiliar. I, I had uh, very different feelings about those things, with the, the first one and the other two issues, I think. For the epilogue... <sighs> okay, I'm just gonna say it, the art just ruined that issue for me completely. But the art in the other two issues was lovely, and I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, the art... The art was was troublesome in issue seven. Uh, to me, it looks like really it's got it's got a different credited inker, Josh Wickoff, and it, yeah, it looks like it was done in a real hurry. Yeah, the, the inking is uh, terrible. He, he has done other stuff, I believe, uh, that, that didn't look this bad. So maybe, presumably, it is just out to be in a rush job. But it's like lines so thick. It's like, it's like the old Star Trek cartoon where they used to wear those force field belts that put a, a big line around their, their bodies. It looks like they're that. Uh, it's, uh, if it, Tailgate, uh, with his outlier powers, is the only one who shouldn't be collapsing under the weight of the inking because it is very, very heavy. Uh, which, uh, sort of, again, all Jack Lawrence uh, gets slightly undone there with... Uh, Another factor working against him, which uh, I was just trying to say, one of the things people said to me at TF Nation was, uh, we're talking about Lost Light, there we go, well, yeah, you're, I'm surprised you're still giving Jack Lawrence a chance after six months if you haven't liked his work, early work that much. 
Uh, to which I was saying, yeah, but for like four or five years, I thought Alex Mill was terrible. <laughs> then I eventually sort of that little thing clicked. I was like, oh, Alex Mill is actually really good. But the Stockholm Syndrome uh, <laughs> <laughs> said it, or whatever it was, the uh, change of perception for me. So I'm, I'm still hopeful that in, in an issue where he, he doesn't have te- terrible inking, where there's no rush art, and he doesn't have a looming shadow of Alex Mill hanging over him like a large predatory bird. I think, under those circumstances, he might uh, we'll we'll get some good stuff. <laughs> this the, issue is not good stuff visually. The preview for issue eleven just came out, and I was quite excited about the return to to Jack Lawrence. Um, so yeah, it's all it's all I think it's all bedded in. Um, I, I gotta say though, I think issue seven, despite the the inking, I think that was it was my favorite. It's my favorite issue of Lost Light so far. Did it feel a bit more like a return to form? Mm. It was more more than meets the eye ish. Yeah, well, here's, here's the interesting thing about these three issues. I think that uh, Lost Light number seven is a really good issue of More Than Meets the Eye, but I think Lost Light eight is kind of the first issue of Lost Light. Hmm. I think it feels like it's settled into whatever this new identity is. However ethereal or sort of projected that is. It kind of feels like, yeah, we've got like new plot lines with new characters doing new things. Um, but, you know, within the IDW Transformers universe, uh, it's, not, you know, it's, it's not about captains and the ship and stuff. It's just about um, these characters and how they relate to each other uh, with this with the big arc sort of ticking away in the background. I thought, yeah, it seemed like all the the pieces for what's going to happen are all in place. And I guess what's going to happen is what we now characterize as Lost Light. I feel like um, issue seven could have been, as you say, the first, like the immediate aftermath of, um, I want to say Remain in Light, but that's not what it was called. <laughs> uh, the Dying of the Light. Um, always get them mixed up, yeah. You'd be confused by James getting the name wrong on the front of that one script he did last year. Yeah, I'm glad it's not just me. If, if even the <laughs> author gets him confused occasionally. But I feel like it could have easily just been literally the aftermath. The The only thing that would have been different is that Megatron isn't there. He may as well have disappeared into the black hole he was sucking energy from at the end of More Than Meets the Eye, you know. And it would have been the same thing. <laughs> and they would have just been, you know, did he do that on purpose or did it happen accidentally? And exactly the same, you know, dilemmas would have oh, applied. You've just, you've made the last six months of our lives completely irrelevant. <laughs> um, we wouldn't have gotten the happy look on Rung's face when he realised that he was a figurehead in, a, in an alternate universe. This is this is absolutely true, but Rewind could have told him that from his knowledge of uh, alternate history anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely so, right. So, so if if and when Megatron pops up later, it would just be the black hole spitting him out again. <laughs> um, <laughs> it kind of saddens me because it's not that the first six issues were bad. They had some problems. And personally, I've not been fond of them for the art, mostly, more so than the story. But uh, they just felt so out of place. That was the problem, especially at the start of a new book. Hmm. I think it was interesting at the start of this issue James is making, as he does he does from time to time, and it's funny that not something I'm hugely keen on when he does do it, he's making jokes about the fan complaints 
that clearly before the first six issues had even uh, properly come out, because the things he's making jokes about are quite what the fans were complaining about. He's like, oh, the back thing about uh, Nightbeat mocking brainstorms dimension hopping thing about how it doesn't make sense. <laughs> that that wasn't what people were moaning about with the first six issues. Well, I uh, think, yeah, I, I, I wonder if that's actually set up for something. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. I think that maybe I, I can totally see it within form that some sort of cosmic arbiter comes for Brainstorm later on. Yeah. I can't help compare this issue um, probably due to um, a huge part of its plot being about Helga and Cyclonus to issue 47, which is not a Milne issue, but again, the inevitable art comparison. So the emotion that we got out of issue 47 versus the emotion that came out of this issue, which for me just felt flat. And it was the art. It was purely the art. It wasn't because the if I was reading this in the script, I think the sentiment would have been powerful. But the art was just it wasn't getting across what was going on in that moment, I don't think. And that, it's just, it saddens me because it was such a continuation. It was such a, a good moment in their story. And it's also such an important moment for their personal development. And it especially hit me with Cyclonus, who makes some huge steps there, just to turn around and say, no, no, I don't accept this. I'm going to tell you how I feel about it now. And yeah, this is this is me telling you how I feel, which was huge for him. Uh, of course, it's huge for Telgit as well. Um, so on the whole, I want to love this issue for a couple of different reasons, uh, but I can't. I just can't. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I totally agree. The character, it's like, um, it's a character. It, it, it's the same kind of 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 big beat has rung attacking the moon but it is just the fact that 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 cyclonus would go back and would say that that kind of series of panels of tailgate there just no um uh, yeah it, it's 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 a huge turning point in the story and then the kind of the coda to it where whirl stops cyclonus from self-harming himself right in front of everybody uh it's also really significant that and and, and between that and the Ultra Magnus scene, um, yeah, I think that's why I, I really love this issue. Just the, the whole construction of it, of the armor not working because his personality has changed, so Rodimus forces him to kind of revert with the little kind of kicker with drift at the end. I think it's just so nicely put together, and I love, this, I love that there's this whole issue where we can just breathe, and see what everybody's up to, and uh, yeah, kind of explore. It's, it, it, I mean, it's not it's not the case that this is where the um, where the character growth has happened. It's like here where we kind of you know appreciate it and see how how this new character acknowledges the fact that they have well, not an entirely new character, that this character acknowledges the fact that they have this new facet to them. Uh, and yeah, that's that's worth a lot. And it's kind of what the book is about, really. Uh, I feel this would have been the good, the best, yeah, end issue of More Than Meets the Eye. It's got to be a good first issue of Lost Lights to be the best final issue of More Than Meets the Eye. It's both. Uh, it's all, it's no, all people. 
no, no, no. Number number seven was the first issue. <laughs> I mean, number eight. Um, uh, when they're on, when they're in the Howling Town, I feel that's 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 lost light now. See, I, I feel like I should have sympathy for Tailgate because I think, as I've mentioned before, when we've touched on this relationship between the two of them, uh, that is basically every not relationship I have ever had. I'm terrible at talking to people about what I actually feel and think. Uh, but equally, it does feel very contrived. If he just went, well, look, you know, I've got this thing with this medical condition. I'm going to stay here with this super doctor on his wheel. And he's going to sort me out. You go off to Cybertopia, carry on looking for that. And when I'm fixed up, I'll come find you or you come to me and everything will be gravy. Uh, it said, yes, it's almost like a soap opera sort of a, uh, uh, which is, it's unfair to use soap opera as an insult because, uh, obviously, more than me has always had a very large soap opera, uh, element to it, but it's, uh, slightly forced it's like a, a an episode of smallville or something where they dance around what they all think and feel without talking like normal people which is as i say incredibly hypocritical because i am exactly the same but i am probably not a normal person don't be like me kids is <laughs> uh the advice there uh so he felt a, a little force and uh if they were sensible adults that they could have just handled the whole situation a lot better with a lot less being buried in a hole for six million years i i get the feeling that i i i can believe it from tailgate because it seems like a good sort of evolution of his uh lies uh it feels like now he's using his lies for well not self-aggrandizement but now he's using his lies to move his relationship to the place he wants it to and he's doing it quite badly like kaput comes off really badly in not realizing that i mean i guess he's 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 portrayed as an academic he's not so much of a i suppose suppose he's done bedside manner before you kind of think that you know there's not many people left in this society you think there's, there's no reason for him to pussy wheel about uh cyclonus but uh, but he does, and uh, oh, he gets himself killed for that. Uh, to make a put stop, terribly good at reading Fangry either. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I I would really like to learn how to keep a man trapped in a hole for six million years for for science. I mean, I'd be a really so that's that's a timer, is it? You know, you're doing all these, all these experiments on this guy who beat me up quite badly. Who's a bit wrong? Should probably have spotted that as well if he was actually still doing his job. Yeah, you know that guy over there. Don't leave him alone with Telgate. He's clearly pissed off with him. I'm also quite surprised that they have timers that go up to six million years. So he's cooking that really well done egg. I guess just turn, you just turn the timer off, right? <laughs> yeah, but what, why put a timer on it at all? Because he could he could come out after six million years and come get you. He'd still be alive. Yeah, yeah. Radiation didn't kill him. Was locking me there for good. We all live on this time scale. Are they all going to go to the future at some point and get tailgate? Um, yeah, I guess there's a lot of ways to get him out of that situation. Well, but uh, but yeah, I liked it. I thought it was a great dramatic sting to the end. My bet is we're going to see tailgate in six issues. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I know a lot of people were upset if they were like, oh, they're, they're buried, the gay. Literally, which I thought was a bit of fair considering just about everybody in the comic is gay uh, in, in some form or whatever. 
Uh, plus, it was obvious that it's not a permanent death. He he will be back. It's not it's not even sort of fake out the book has done in the past with people getting shot in the head and then getting better. He's just put in a trap that somebody will come rescue him from at some point. Uh, um, maybe Megatron and his army from the, the alternate universe will come rescue him <laughs> in the final issue of the series. <laughs> I owe it all to you, Tailgate. Uh, yeah, also people who use a TV tropes headline as criticism all by itself aren't really to be listened to. But, but Tom, that's just what I just did a second ago. What are you trying to say? <laughs> you were, you were, were you not using that as an example? Of... Well, I, I was critiquing the critiques, but you didn't clarify that distinction in your critique of a critique of a critiques. So that's... No, okay. I'm on your side. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's quite a whole thing to... I'm not sure about the medical technique of putting somebody in a hole and then ploughing them with radiation. Anyways. I mean, you know, we're only taking Kaput's word for it that he knows anything about anyone. Um, But uh, uh, this did answer my question. uh, I talked about in the last podcast, uh, looking at the last arc, but I said, why do they need another doctor? (laughs) It was because they're going to kill him off. Yeah. Uh, sure, yeah. Obviously, we couldn't do that with velocity. Actually, now we've got ratchet back. Maybe you could do it with velocity. <laughs> you don't need too many doctors hanging about. Actually, maybe that would be more powerful if they had killed off velocity that way, uh, as an actual proper character, rather than somebody to juice just to be shot in the head. <laughs> but, wow. Yeah. Uh, that that would have been pretty damn shocking. Um, hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure I would have liked that. Uh, yeah, I, don't know. I feel I feel like a um, Cybertronian General Hospital uh, comic would be pretty great. <laughs> with with Rug as well, you'd have Rug giving terrible psychiatric advice <laughs> as uh, Ratchet's first aid of velocity tried to deal with a pile of bodies built up from uh, his bad assessments. <laughs> Uh, I, I did so as I've been laid into the art. I did like the panel of Fangry uh, burying the grave. Yeah, like a little doggy. Uh, hey, that, that was a pretty long game Fangry played there as well. If uh, where where was everybody else? Did did, did the pickup from Cybertron come? I, I'm guessing not. It's only been no. a few days, and uh, it's a big planet, and it's mostly empty. And yeah, sure, whatever. Kaput didn't tell anybody he was doing this. Like, I'm just going to bury Tailgate in this. If anything happens to me in the next six months, you know, if I, you know, if somebody shoots me in the back of the head, for example, he's buried in that hole over there. Dig him out. You know, keep an eye on him. Well, that may, I'm just, uh, that may have been the case. We haven't seen that happen, but uh, maybe that might have been anticlimactic rescue. But uh, one of the I other. Mean, people who got left behind. Yeah, well, I better just go check. Oh, there we are. Somebody's messed about with a timer. There we go. Get a spade, chaps. I mean, I like, I like that Fangra goes to the trouble to bury the chamber, but Lee, I guess, presumably leaves Kaput's body just lying. <laughs> um, I mean, there's lots of ways around it. Like, they live, they're on a planet which is monitoring everybody's spark signature. They would see right away that, that Kaput was killed right now. Um, night beat. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's more to be. I'm sure all this will happen in some capacity or be addressed. Of course, uh, at the end of this this issue, somebody has a thing we can bring the dead back to life. Apparently, so, oh yes, yes. Everybody, the, the resusc- 
Russ's Cradle. Um, yeah, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Oh, I, I did want to talk about the Ultra Magnus thing very briefly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. By yeah, just I that is Rodimus at his most manipulative and uh, devious in that he works out what Ultramagnus needs to do to get back to normal, but he makes sure that Ultramagnus comes to agree with him. And all he needed to do was give Ultramagnus some certainty. He's like, no, I want to make sure he's very much on my side about Megatron here by doing reverse psychology <laughs> on him and... So and he's on Team Rodimus if Megatron ever shows up again. I don't really care what he really thinks or feels, what Megatron might or might not have actually done. I, everybody must be on my team as I mutilate these corpses to get us to catch up with, with Getaway. For I am obsessed. <laughs> to be fair, he does uh, help him out, though. Yeah. Yeah, everybody wins on that one. Unless uh, Megatron ever comes back. And now Ultramagnus hates him. <laughs> uh, that'll never happen. Megatron's gone forever. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't... I, I don't think Rodimus really comes off as that manipulative to me because Ultramagnus is super easy to manipulate. Well, just because Drift is impressed by it as well. It's, oh, you're so good at manipulating people. <laughs> you're so my hero. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a, a thing that, that uh, James said in our interview, which uh, I think we should pay attention to that drift isn't necessarily as placid and as impressed by Rodimus as he appears. Yeah, there's a, there's a good panel there. And it's actually where my question came from for the interview, where it's that moment where drift is telling uh, Rodimus, my God, you're so amazing. Look at you, you know, you're brilliant. And there's Ratchet in sort of in the background there kind of listening, but not doing anything. Mm. Mm, yeah. Feet of his inks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's there's definitely more to come from come from uh, that. I thought you would say there was more of a meets the eye there, Ben Thomas. No, 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 no more. All we can talk about are things that have been lost <laughs> and lights going on or coming or turning off. <laughs> right. In in that case, let us shine a light. Uh, pardon me, uh, the duology but, uh, from uh, 8 and 9, uh, which uh, I suppose what the first big thing to talk about is uh, Node and Lug as proper characters for the, uh, the first time. Before we actually jump on, there is a lead-in in the previous issue, which uh, I didn't pick up on the first time I read it, obviously. Oh, yes, uh, when Nautica is talking to a Node. Uh, yeah, so she says uh, about Lug, she says, oh, you, you've been an inspiration. Uh, and she also mentions Kaput whilst talking about her eye, uh, which did make me wonder if Kaput had something to do with getting Skid's brain in there and advising her as to how she should keep it warm. Yeah, he, he didn't have a mobile lead box in a hole she could put it in. So like, well, the next best thing is in your eye. That's a really good spot. Hadn't picked up on that. I'm, I'm annoyed because I actually noted that in my notes and I didn't say it. And now Marion looks better than me. <laughs> that's that's a legitimate reason to be annoyed. <laughs> so yeah, I know and Lug. Uh, we get a bit more time with them. 
uh, we find out uh, the big thing about the issue. Obviously, they come out as trans, and uh, yeah, we. Uh, I I was confused for a long time. I always thought they were Camian, uh, even though it's clear that they're not. Uh, they they actually say that they're from Cybertron. I don't know why. Mm. I think I just assumed because they were female, which that will learn me. Yeah, well, that's what we've been yeah, taught. Check your own prejudice. Exactly. Um, so that was uh, something that's been talked about a fair bit, I think, uh, online and in other reviews of the issue as a standout and as a nice way of doing it. Um, Oh, I mean, I, I was so happy with that because uh, as people who've been reading stuff I've been writing for a few years will know, way back when, in 1987, when I had my first issue of the Transformers comic and I, my mother read it to me and it, RC is in it as a stock stereotypical girl with a shapely bum. At the time, my mother was moaning about how gender was treated in this franchise and she was going, you know, to me at about six years old, giving me a two-hour lecture, going, ah, this is awful, this is, this is such terrible, utter shit. Why do they need to be either men or women? What does it matter? They're robots. They can just be he or she. It doesn't matter. They can switch between the two. Just having one girl who is pink and has a bum. Oh, this is awful. If I ever meet a person who wrote this, I'll cut him. She's a crazy person, my mom. Terrible. <laughs> but now, I mean, she wanted to thought of it in transgender terms at the time. But now, a mere 30 years later, someone has basically done exactly what she said. And our robots go, you know what, we're, we're not technically male or female, but we can be he or she or whatever the hell we want uh, quite easily. We can shift between the two. We don't have to look a certain way if we're male or female. It's, uh, we, we can be what we want to be, and it doesn't matter so that means that James Roberts would probably be the first Transformers author my mom would not have stern words with if she ever met him. Uh, At least on you, this subject. Have you, has your mom read this issue? Oh, God, no. She, she hates Transformers for its uh, stereotypical portrayal of female character. She's still bitter about that, uh, that summer in 1987 when she had to read to me Space Pirates Part 2. She sits there going, oh, I hated that, that Space Pirates Part 2. So oh. I did appreciate that Wipeout seems oblivious to the fact that they are female until it's pointed out to him and then he goes, ah, is that why the change in look? I see, right, okay. So it's like completely irrelevant. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. A, that's it's a nice just time. very nicely done and very uh, long overdue. It feels like we're a long way for that vaginal excavator in Spotlight RC now. Oh. <laughs> um, so we'll find out a bit more about Anod and Luck here about uh, their past, what they used to do for a living some of their connections and uh, the fact that uh, they've apparently been in touch with dun dun dun, the big reveal of the next issue for... Flame! Oh no, not Flame, it's the other bloke isn't it? Uh, uh, I've got his name here, it's uh, Scorpidoc? Some guy, I, I don't know who he is. He just turns up and it's like, I don't know, just all important. It gets a page to himself. It just made no sense at all. Oh, uh, to be uh, fair, the last time we saw Scorpion was seven or eight years ago, was it? It was before it was uh, Maximum Dynamots, wasn't it? So that's a long, 
long time ago. <laughs> Well, I think we've all had suspicions because he and Grimlock were in Garrus 9 together. They both went missing from Garrus 9 together. And Scorponok has been known in this universe for liking a bit of tankering with uh, Cybertronians and humans and, you know, finding new ways to enhance the species. So all this business with the first symbol ship that we find where we discover Grimlock for the first time and all the, the brain modules on the ceiling and all the half corpses and all of that business just had a bit of Scorponok all over it from the start. So it had always been one of those things which was, hmm, maybe, maybe it is Scorponok. So it was not a huge surprise, but it was still a big reveal. Yeah, and it, it makes total sense. It's 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 um, uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he did have Scorponok in mind when he wrote that issue six of More Than Meets the Eye with the, no issue Sorry. seven with the, with the DJD. Um, yeah, I I, I I I'm on record as hating the last page reveal of a character who's not been in it for a while, and this was no exception. Kind of like oh yeah, okay, that makes sense that it's Scorponok, but like. I mean, would it be better for you, Tom, if he'd said, and now I have a magnificent switch, can apparently bring the dead back, which wasn't one of its special powers before, but yeah, we'll roll with it, we'll roll with it. No, I'm going to bring back Mozarek. The the magnificence revealed the specific connection between the brain and the spark, which has been established as being not entirely known. I'll let you have that way. Oh, yes. <laughs> it feels hollow, this victory. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't remember is what happened to the Magnificent itself. The last thing I recall is Rodimus had it. He he did, and that was... Uh, uh, he used it after, after having built it up over all those uh, couple of years of the Furman arc, he wound up using it to go, is Double Dealer a bad guy? Whilst having his back to Double Dealer in a position to be shot in the back if Double Dealer was a bad guy. He's, he's very sporting, a lot of us. Uh, I bet we never saw it again after that. Uh, I think it's vaguely implied that he used it to find Scorponok in Maximum Dynamots. Uh, maybe he had it on him when Scorponok was throwing him about and he was like, oh, hello. I'll have, I'll have a bit of that. But then Scorponok must have lost it. If, uh, so he won't have had it with him <laughs> in Garrus uh, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, maybe it, it confiscated. It would be in his locker there. <laughs> Just take it out after he was free. Yeah, I'm sure there's, there's an interesting story to be told there. Hmm. Um, I've just realised that was such a Rodimus thing to do in retrospect, that you have this like weapon that can do whatever the hell you want, and all you do is serve your own private vendetta by asking a question about like the guy who you think betrayed you. <laughs> Yeah, get back at your ex. Of course, he, <laughs> if he had kept it on him, he could have just gone, you know, where of a night to Cybertron. And uh, that would have saved us uh, over 60 odd issues. And yet he hasn't mentioned it since. The only <laughs> time it's mentioned is when it's at the beginning of season two where his memories are being read, or rather, the corpse's memories are being read, the alternative Rodimus. And uh, the Magnificent is mentioned, Magnificence is mentioned as one of the pivotal moments in his life. And that's the only time ever we've had Oh, no, I, I think Drift brings it up earlier than that, when he's going on about Rodimus' love of a quest. And he goes, oh, you're always 
And I don't want me to think you're not genuine, one of us, but you're always doing crazy shit, like that time you went after a magnificent, and that time you did this other thing. Okay, I don't remember that. I think so. Don't quote me on that. That maybe. Yeah, that, that was the, the time I was thinking of it coming up in more than me. I, I might just have invented that in my head, though. Uh, didn't he give it to Ultra Magnus so that they could it, fix all the said. problems in uh, in Revelation? No, no, it's never. Uh, he's got it on him after these shot double dealer, and I think Ultra Magnus phones up and says, "You know all this stuff Jeff Fire could find out for us through science." Yeah, could you just ask that thing? Oh, okay, that's good. Yeah, you keep the thing on you, and uh, I'm glad we wasted half the issue on the subplot of you and Double Dealer. That's <laughs> not going to result in a rush finale at all. Um, okay. The thing that I'm curious about is, um, I mean, it has been said that Furman never got a chance to really wrap that up properly. One of the things he intended for was that using the Magnificent, because he was such a massive MacGuffin, he could do anything he wanted, was there would be uh, consequences to using it. And that he never got to show what the consequences were for Rodimus. I mean, he, he, you know, he didn't have a good time in Maximum Dinobots, but we never really saw this as being a direct consequence of anything. It was just Rodimus being stupid. But mm. I wonder if James is going to pick up on that aspect of it. So now when it is used eventually, which I'm sure it will be, the um, consequences are going to be bad for whoever actually gets to do it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it feels to me it's like the Megatron's antimatter eyes sort of thing where he's brought something back that everybody thought was a bit rubbish and, and best ignored and now he's really going to go to town with it and have... Uh, some fun with it, and hopefully, like with the Antimatter Eyes, bring everybody round to going, yay, the, the Magnificence is doing a thing, finally. Uh, one thing I caught on, on the reread this morning was that it's it's all but expli- uh, um, explicitly said that the Magnificence is an artifact of the Knights of Cybertron. Um, when Nautica is talking to, what's his name, Gut Cruncher? Who's the Decepticon on the on, in the Howling Town? Uh, uh, antagonizer. Anta- Ag- agonizer, agonizer. Agonizer, that's it. Um, when she's talking to Agonizer, she says, "Okay, I know that you have." So she goes. She's got the excuse of the map. Okay, but I know you have other uh, artifacts from the Knights of Cybertron. What about the Reese's Cradle? And he says, "Oh no, 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 no! You heard wrong. I didn't get the Reese's. Joseph Mengele got Reese's Cradle." Um, I would trust any bad scientist with a name like Mangaley. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on to the Knights of Cybertron then, and what they find at uh, Agonizer's place, we find the five, presumably, tribe symbols, if um, Sandclash theory is correct, or rather, Megatron theory is correct. Uh, mm. I don't remember whose theory it was, but anyway, Megatron talks about it when they have that lecture about the Knights of Cybertron. So we've always known about the one clan and that symbol, which is the one we've been seeing everywhere. And it's the one that uh, Flame seems to be sporting and his lush. And that's a question, actually. Are they just sporting it because or are they actually linked to the tribe of the Knights of Cybertron or what's going on there? But we actually find out that there's five more of them. Sorry, four more of them, there's five in total. And I don't believe we've seen the others before. Ah. Yeah, they're, they're pretty fatty about that, aren't they? But they only recognise one of the uh, symbols. Is that the velocity doesn't, but I was wondering maybe we had, as a reader, come across them somewhere before, but I don't think that we have. 
Uh, mm. I don't think so. If it would, it would probably be Skid's, uh, Skid's dream thing, I suppose. Uh, if only he was still allowed to ask if he'd seen the... Yeah, and there's a question there. I mean, Skid is bringing this left behind. Presumably they could still bring him out back. I don't know why they would want to do that. Uh, but Skid still holds that key of that initial encounter. And mm. we don't know what happened there. And in fact, uh, as Tom pointed out, you know, the magnificence isn't what brings them back to life. It just tells you how to do it. So presumably all the equipment that would bring him back is still in that lab. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, there's every indication that, that Mengel was sincere that she would do that. It sounded like she didn't actually need much. She just needed the magnificence and enough of a fresh brain. Um, yeah, two AA batteries. If, if only Nautica still cared. That was brutal. That yeah, was brutal. man, I love that. You know, let's talk about uh, the Nautica velocity stuff then. I mean, I I came around to it in the end because I thought that is what velocity would do. Because she's a fairly passive character, but I really didn't like the... Uh, uh, not in sort of a bad way, sort of in a dramatic way. I thought the uh, well, it's your choice what you do. So if you want to do this, uh, you could do it. I mean, if, if one of my friends, if say, if say Marion were to decide that a hatred of getaway was too much for her to bear any longer, and uh, she was going to be, I'm going to go to this backswing surgeon who was going to take a chainsaw to part of my brain that hates getaway, and he will cut that out. Now, that is my personal choice. I've had enough of this. I want to move on from getaway and uh, get on with the rest of my life with some sort of happiness. I wouldn't go, well, yeah, that's your choice. I would go, are you insane? You don't go to some backstreet kook who wants to perform untested medical surgery on you. I, I probably wouldn't go as far as punching you out and dragging you away from them. I would certainly be far more vocal about it than uh, Velocity is here. I would hope anybody would be, especially as Nautico is dealing with post-traumatic stress syndrome, over recent events and probably isn't in any for place to make an accurate choice See, on having as, as... chunks of her brains cut out. I, 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 thought, I, I thought this was tying into the to the trans narrative. The trans narrative? Yeah, with Anode and Lug. Around choice. Like, yeah, like this may look odd and this may... You will have to reevaluate friendship and relations after this, maybe, or, or maybe they were always different. But uh, yeah, if you want to do this, uh, uh, that's, that's I think all there, I are, there are levels between accepting somebody's life choices and accepting somebody's decision to cut chunks of their memories out in a potentially lethal medical procedure, especially if you're their doctor as well and their. <laughs> GP, there's probably not anything she could have done short of knocking her out and dragging her away from there, to be fair, but... Well, she she's an adult, you know, in a metaphorical sense, and, I mean, she's grieving, she's not necessarily... On, I mean, I'm sure there's some PTSD there, but I don't think she's in a place where she can't make her own decisions. She's obviously making some decisions, they're not very good ones, but she's making them, and, yeah, I think I agree that this is about choice, because I think at any given point in our lives, we're all going to be in a place which is non-optimal, and how we deal with that is very much part of who we are. Hmm. She does. She does make mention that 
when when Nodica mentions a reboot, we can reboot our friendship. You just say like, okay, because you're doing this, uh, yeah, this, this means we're not friends. If you're going, if you're willing to to indulge the sadist um, to take away something that's special to me, something of yours that's special to me. Um. So yeah, but I mean, that I is guess, yeah, that is standing firm in a way. In the distorted oh, sure. kind of logic of the situation, um, their friendship is something they can restore. Uh, memories are something they can rebuild, but Skids' life is not something that they can reset. So I guess there is that, which is where kind of Notka is coming from. Yeah. I suppose it's uh, just because the Megal is such an obviously evil dodgy character there's not really any ambiguity there with their with their nazi like name and emotional upping mistakes and what has to be paid at the last second as well perhaps if they hadn't seemed such a uh, uh stock bad guy it would feel like such a really bad idea to me under any circumstances but that, those are both those are excellent points you're making though but uh about the, the choice uh, yeah. but maybe if you if you had to choose a, a difficult action, don't go with a person who has the Nazi-like name. That's that's a lesson to take from. <laughs> yeah, man, that name, jeez. <laughs> I mean, Velocity makes perfectly valid points. You know, only sadists would rejoice in removing you of things like friendship and selling grief to people, and you know, it takes a special kind of person to be into that. Yeah, I love that. I love that Velocity had the measure of Mengel immediately. Mm. And I love how she kind of expresses that as like, and she was wrong that she thought that Mengel was a quack. I think it's, it's, it's quite, in, it's more interesting that Mengel actually really did, really could offer all these things. Um, well, that's that Velocity we... chooses to, to focus on the, on the medical side. Uh, we know the... Mengel could create some sort of super new transformer. We don't know. We could actually, no, she, sorry, could actually bring back the dead. Genuinely. Uh... Scorponok seemed to think so. Uh. Uh, he's a wacky guy, Scorponok, though. It looks like <laughs> what they've created. Um, so this new creature that can transform into absolutely everything that seems to be in its core, Sebastian, I suppose, can also just regenerate itself. I wasn't clear whether he was actually dead or whether he was just on the brink of death. There's the, there's the finger twitch. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that meant that he was coming back to life or that he wasn't quite dead. I, I didn't know how to read that. He, I mean, he looks pretty dead when they get him, mm. but then again, you know, Cybertronians do, but are fine, so... Uh, yeah, on the first read, I wasn't clear. I only really caught that. Yeah, wow. I mean, the, the coffee bots did confuse me a bit visually uh, when, when issue uh, 8 came out, so sort of that only really clicked uh, with the end of the ninth issue, what was actually uh, uh, going on with that character and uh, why did it look like he turned, it turned into a coffee, uh, which I thought was a bit of an odd side choice originally, but of course that makes, uh, makes sense at the end. But of course that is... Whether by accident or design, uh, James is now sort of riffing on a major plot point from Age of Extinction. That's, yeah, that's I didn't realise that impressive. until you pointed it out. Yeah, uh, they're, they're sort of developing new soulless, super 
next generation Transformers who could turn into absolutely anything. That's the, using the Transformium and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not super impressed with that plot line. I like the way I like the like, like the um I like the fact that, that they treat the infinite as a newborn and the the sort of texture of that. And I like the way it's drawn like Frankenstein's monster. There's like something pitiful about it. He looks old. He yeah. looks like an old man. Yeah, yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's that kind of hunched and sort of tired look. Oh, well, yeah, he hasn't realised he can presumably make his robot mode look like anything at this point. <laughs> to, oh, uh, to quickly go back to uh, 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 Velocity and Nautica, uh, one thing I did find odd is that originally uh, Mengel wants to be paid for uh, the work and he's, uh, Nautica doesn't have enough money and then it talk, goes on to other ways she can pay. Earlier, the two-parter, they go out of their way to remind you how rich Cyclonus is. So they could have just phoned up Cyclonus on Skip. Uh, God, uh, could we borrow some of your vast amounts of money to bring skins back to life, please? Well, yeah, isn't it, isn't it introduced in that context of, like, what, 10,000 Shanax? I'm not Cyclonus. <laughs> There's like, they've just got, how do you wait to argue? They do have someone who has lots of money who could pay for this. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that rings true. I don't think Cyclonus has had any interaction with Nordica or Skids, really. We don't even know if Cyclonus genuinely has money. It's something that Telgate said at some point. Mm. And it was pre-Telgate coming out as a liar. Uh, and there's, there's this scene, and I think this is actually only in the script. I don't think it is in the actual issue in Hedonia, which is uh, Cyclonus is at the gift shop counting his change. And I, I wasn't sure if that meant that he's just stingy or if he genuinely just didn't have money and that's just a thing that Telgate made up. Because, <laughs> I mean, real estate on Cybertron is also a bit of a joke, seriously. Like, the planet's been destroyed so many times and rebuilt, <laughs> which, like... <laughs> it's a prime relocation. <laughs> um, but then, it, in the, also in the Hedonia issue, doesn't Cyclonus pay for all the damage? He, he, he fakes a... A tantrum, and we then he him, pays for all the damage. We don't see him do that, do we? We don't. I mean, we don't see whether they need to pay for anything. But yeah, he fakes a tantrum, but it's not. But he doesn't say like. I'll, he says, "I'll pay for all the damages," doesn't he? No, I don't think so. It's like, not okay. He's restrained. He doesn't say anything. He feigns drunkenness, and then Talgate says, "Oh, it's okay. It's okay. I'll deal with him." And then everybody else goes, and I don't think there's any conversation about it. Okay. But he may well be. He may well be. We know Drift is, though. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the, 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 the real estate stuff has bugged me for years. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, there, there have to be estate agents on Cybertron. You can't just go live where you like. <laughs> By the way, the Infinite, after the Black Block Consortia gets to him, um, has a head missing. It looks pretty dead. Yeah. He did the red alert trick. Of taking off his own head? It wasn't a clean cut in this case. It was a violent severing. What we've been told is true. That ought to kill you. It's true. I was a bit underwhelmed by the Black Block Consortia, to be honest. Hmm. They've been built up for ages, and they're just like some guys, some yeah. like Star Wars-looking guys. <laughs> 
I thought we'd seen them before. I don't. I don't know. We've definitely seen the cancel, and I thought maybe in one of those panels in nothing. They. They were in orbit, weren't they, of uh, Offset? So we might have seen their ships before. <laughs> were, they, were they not in... Oh, did you just remember Offset? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How could you forget Offset, Tom? Um, I thought they were in the... You know, there's a panel which is like a flashback where there's lots of organics making a deal and you see the council. And I think that's in the annual. And it's them sort of like forming the council, I think. Uh, to protect themselves against Cybertronians. It is literally one panel, and it's just yeah. a bunch of organics. It's no idea who they are, but I always kind of assumed that they would be in there. Okay. Actually, um, here's a question about Scorpidoc. Uh, is he, has he still got Abraham Dante as his head? Yeah, yeah. he's still a headmaster. I think... That guy's because... 10 years older now, and <laughs> so he's probably not in the best shape. <laughs> he's got diabetes... He wasn't a young guy to start with. <laughs> Maybe that's why Megat- uh, Scorpion wants a recess. Uh, the Magnificent's not going to sort it out. Yeah, how do you fix diabetes? <laughs> I need to pee all the time in my own head. <laughs> you know what would have made his prison sentence uh, more difficult as well? Oh, geez, yeah. Could they install a toilet in that cell? Hmm. Yeah, I didn't see any farms on Garrus Nine. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I really hope that, that Dante is still in there because that's much more interesting. Scorpionok's like empathy with uh, humans is uh, is definitely uh. undercooked at this point. Uh, I, I miss Mozarek still. He was the best one. He was. A... I know. I know. Scorpionok misses him too, Stuart. Mozarek, Mo, Mo. I still can't believe they gave him a first name, Mo. So there was something that threw me a little bit, because you know, we know Lug's been out of commission for centuries now, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, or quite some time, I don't remember how long it was now. But she had contact with her grand architect since before. Scorponok, we know he was on Earth till like a few years ago, like I don't know what it is now, like 10, 15 years ago. That mm-hmm. means he's been at this for much longer than we've had him in the story. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, of course, he was, he was doing all his stuff uh, with his various um, branded franchises on different planets. Hmm. So, so we, we never did find out what he was up to on Nebulos, really. Was he just inventing headmasters, or...? Was that, was that Scorponok on Nebulos? Uh, yeah, because uh, Walter uh, Magnus went after him uh, in his spotlights. That's, that's that's where Mo Zarek died, Marion. How, how can you forget that? How can I? How can I do it? I haven't read those books in a very long time. Oh, Mo. Uh, um, yeah, okay. So, well, either Scorpionop's not the first Grand Architect, or, uh, yeah, or that he's always been the Grand Architect ever since he left the Decepticons back in old day, old times. Um, weird that he still identifies as a Decepticon. Uh, does he? Does he, Did he have, actually, uh, yeah. Does he have his symbol? Oh, well, he did. He, I mean, um, he still identified as a Decepticon in Maximum Dinobots. He still, he still got his his badge. Right. He's got no logo here. It's not okay. visible here. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. 
Neither does he have the knight symbol on him, though. Ah. He doesn't go for branded. Do you think Scorponok was a knight of Cybertron? I think somebody would have noticed that or known it. So I thought they're not. They're all sort of like the knights of the round table, aren't they? The original ones. They're all quite famous with their titans and all that flying about. Well, we've never heard the name of a single knight spoken. No, I'm, sure, I'm sure somebody like Drift would know it, though, would he? If he was, he was sort of really into that. Yeah, he can change his name, change his body. They, they are, well, we don't know how old Scorponok is, but they are meant to be much older than knights, aren't they? Hmm. They're meant to be as old as the Titans, aren't they? Yeah, I suppose so, at least. Just a note that because all three of these issues with different artists as well have been a mess for insignia consistency. Um, <laughs> Flame doesn't have his uh, knight symbol on in these pages either. So for all we know, Scorponok does and they just forgot to put it on. Okay. And if the, the Flame thing could be a deliberate homage to his, uh, his Marvel appearances where... His auto brand wouldn't be in a lot of panels or it would be covered up, which has a surprising amount of uh, conspiracy theories about why they did that, uh, rather than just be left off some of the time. Uh, so really? that, that could be an intentional nod to his uh, his missing logos the first time he showed up. So wait, hang on. In, 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 in what's it, City of Fear was Flame. Yeah, uh, Flame of Zombies. As I like, yeah, I like. okay. So he... He is more often than not shown without his, without his order brand. Yeah, or he has odd... I mean, that's what I thought of shame here. You did have some classic flame uh, poses. Uh, his original appearance, if his auto brand is there, or he's got, he's got his hands in all sorts of odd poses to cover his chest, as if they're trying to make sure that it isn't visible a lot of the time either. Uh, which people speculate that was because there was some concern about showing an evil auto art. Okay. I, not entirely sure because I have some particular theories about Flay's body language anyway. I think that's a homage to a James Bond novel that uh, the plot of that storyline comes from, uh, whether coincidentally or by design. But that's a, that's a whole other, other thing. Okay, well, yeah, Bond so, reference uh, sounds more firmany than... But because uh, there's a lot of ways to get around it, you can just say that oh, he's next order Bart, or he was never an order Bart, or yeah, Log Scorponok, he removed the logos. <laughs> mm. But that, that one might be deliberate anyway. All the others, there's not much uh, of an excuse. Which that was a very long-winded way of me to get to that point. I can't apologize. Okay, that was a lot, a long time getting there. Okay. Well, anyway, so we got Scorponok. We may have a guy with diabetes inside of him, and. Um, a guy who hasn't yeah. been to the toilet for 10 years. <laughs> just all bladder now. It's just expands <laughs> like a parasite filled up to his fingertips. Um, yeah, I'm more looking forward to, to yeah, Scorpionop's relationships uh, with people than that he's like a big villain now. Um, he's pretty generic as a big baddie. Yeah, I, I liked how we connected sort of new characters and ideas to these very old plots that go back at least as far as the beginning of more meets the eye and sometimes a lot further. Uh, it, it does feel like the Grand Architect stuff is very much a sort of a scavenger's style 
plot there, like it's more connected to them than to the wider tapestry. And we are getting them back fairly soon, so I wouldn't be surprised if we get some answers there. Because obviously they've had all the stuff to do with the ship and uh, finding all the other test sites and uh, Grimlock as well. Yeah, but the, the, the scavengers also introduced the DJD. Just shoot down my theory, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, it, it's, it's, scavengers is a great way to introduce concepts that affect more than one group of people in the universe. You're trying to say and, that Action uh, Man might be coming back, or whatever that bloke was called in the... the uh, what was his name? Remember G.I. Joe? It wasn't Action Man, was it? It was just a rubbish uh, member of G.I. Joe. Oh, MP3. MP3. Action Man is an actual... You think he'll be coming back? Around. Uh, I hope so, yeah. Three. <laughs> and uh, of course, obviously, I think we could take the same Scorpion Arc as um, in to Grimlock, whether maybe Abraham Dante has become Grimlock's headmaster. Oh, <laughs> um, cool. <laughs> and he's gone senile, and therefore. <laughs> oh, dear. Mm, so uh, I think we are heading towards Drift's vision in many different ways, aren't we? We also have uh, Luna One and all the labs in there and the things the farmer boasted he could do. And actually, do you know what? For a moment, when we saw that the wiggly finger, I thought that was an armor recall button. And that oh, yes. oh, yeah. straight back to all of that um, plot line. But it wasn't. But. I still think there's a connection there with the farmer story, and the, I mean we know there is because Luna One has the night symbol, but but the back of its engines, uh, so those stories are definitely all coming together. Yeah, but uh, what if anyone on Luna One has found those engines yet, where they've been round the back of the planet <laughs> to have a look? Nobody walks on that planet. Everybody <laughs> just like goes one way on it and then leaves the same <laughs> way. They're too busy doing the dishes to <laughs> have a look around. Oh god, I forgot a lot of them are on there. I thought, like, I'd completely forgotten there'd been a follow-up to the Luna 1 thing. I guess Outrigger. Did, did Outrigger stay on Luna 1 or did he leave? I, remember, oh, I can't remember now. Uh, there is a bit in this two where I think it's uh, it's even Lug, well, it might be, you know, but I think it's Lug, says there hasn't been a hot spot in centuries. I'm like, oh, you haven't read up on your recent history. You need to go back and read your back issues. <laughs> well, she hasn't been around long, to be fair. <laughs> But, she's she's uh, catching up to do. But yeah, the Grimlock is obviously, it, it's all coming together. And now Grimlock's got his sword back. It, it was a nice touch, I think, with the link to them, to Maximum Dinobots and all that kind of stuff. And the, the other Dinobots on Cybertron are now nursemaids to the new generation of Cybertronians. I'll take your word for that. <laughs> I, I haven't, like, I started reading, I forget what it's called now. The latest Dinobot story, the Barbie one. I, I got oh no! And I, have oh. and I haven't finished it yet. But, uh, oh, no, that was in the second one of that uh, that little trilogy, wasn't it? They found all the, the new hotspots. It was. Thing. But there was I forgot, the, I forgot there about that. Mm. There's hotspots everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it is. They're not as rare anymore. <laughs> But, uh... And uh, I am like I was trying to going back to Caput now. I was trying to like, kind of like I, I wasn't sure what his role was there. Like he seems to have this random role and then dies. Yeah, 
And he's a spark specialist, and we discussed this last time. We said, well, we've got like a nursemaid, and we've got a spark specialist, and we've got a nursemaid. What was I trying to say with that? A midwife. And uh, so we thought, this is all leading to something, but now we've lost Kaput, so I'm not sure what he was for, other than getting Talgate killed. <laughs> right, he got himself <laughs> killed, more than... <laughs> But, yeah, there must be more to that. Surely there must be more to that. Uh, so uh, there's precedent for uh, this sort of thing of, you know, introducing, like, the cure for cybercrisis or introducing you know, these big sort of medical advances and cures and, and things. But either it's just sort of a comment on how fractured Cybertronian society is or it's just that that's not the focus of the story. They do get kind of dropped. So this could be another case of that. Of uh, you know, Kaput the Spark Surgeon has access to all the Spark data for millions of years, but um, but he but then he dies before he can do anything <laughs> about it, and all that knowledge is gone. But he's, gonna... he's literally been in it for like ten panels in total. <laughs> he got introduced just to die. Well, uh, what was he bullets? Was he as well? Uh, I'm sure he's in one of the pro stories somewhere. Yeah, where... and he was in Spotlight Orion Pax. No, he's a beloved character. We've all been waiting for Kaput to come back and have his moments in the sun. If he could have said to Nord, you know what? If you're going to go do this, you know, put skids, spark in your one uh, brain module in your one eye. Why not take Ravages with you as well? I mean, he he died too. Do you not like Ravage? Shuts. Why do you hate Ravage, Nordica? <laughs> you could have given up another emotion for him. She could have given up her friendship to Firestar. <laughs> I don't think she could sell that one. <laughs> Who wouldn't fetch much? Huh? Oh dear. But uh, well, so I, I think we've touched on all the major things, haven't we? Uh, is there anything else anybody wanted to to touch upon? I uh, just want to say it feels like we're back on track and we've got the Mutineers trilogy coming up. I think it's a trilogy anyway. And uh, look forward to that one uh, because there's, there's just a lot to unpack there. That could, that could be very interesting. And I'm. I've always loved this story, uh, the storyline, the whole Grimlock mystery, ship, bodies, all that Knights of Sojourn, like, and this is so... Getting me very, very excited about uh, what's coming next. Yeah, I, I agree about it being back on uh, back on track. I mean, uh, what worried me is that uh, so many things I like after, Oddly enough, usually after four or five years, it happens about the same time of the life cycle of a of a television show where they've they've been forced by outside circumstances to relaunch and reboot things. Uh, sort of Babylon Five, Season Five, Angel Season Five, uh, those sort of things where everybody involved goes, well, of course, yeah, we're not going to mess up with us our plans too much. We're all really excited about the new direction, and they almost always have a really rough transition period as they get into the, the the new direction or whatever it is and sometimes they don't recover from that uh so if sort of like the first six issues were that difficult transition period uh it feels like this is back to the, the good stuff and it's not going to be that much of a detriment uh to the series where they've had to do this it just caused a little kink of a path for a, for a little while. It was a shame it was a six-part story rather than anything shorter but had to bear a brunt of that. But uh, it does very much feel like the, the book is as 
fully into its uh, into itself as it was before. I'm not even sure what that means into itself. Uh, that was just a, a random two words I use. I don't really make any sense. But it's it's it's, it's back. It's 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 doing what it does well. Uh, and as well as it did before. And you, you can't not love uh, an appearance from Wipeout. After <laughs> all these years. I don't know if that was the liberal misdirection, having all these uh, sort of obscure Marvel characters show up in the same issue. As if it's like, yeah, who's going to be the bad guy? Because James loves these obscure Marvel characters. Is it going to be Flame? Is it going to be Wipeout? Ah, no, it was Scorponok all along. Hardly obscure at all. Um... Yeah, I can totally agree with your assessment. I think the Functionist arc, in retrospect, was a bit of a, a rough landing. Um, yeah, if it, it feels like we're pointing in the direction, the art has settled, the writing has settled, the identity is established. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to what's coming. Underwhelmed by Scorponok, because I uh, don't care much about him. Um, but yeah, he's not really the focus. I'm I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see more of how Ultra Magnus goes, uh, how how he's feeling, and I'm interested in this uh, this Drift Rodimus Ratchet relationship that's that's ticking away. Uh, I don't think that's going to survive the season. And of course. And what Ultra Magnus will do when Megatron totally comes back. <laughs> how many hates him? Uh, well, uh, how long do we think it'll be before Tailgate uh, shows up again, man? Six months, six issues. I think it's season finale. I think they're going to be in the future and they're going to dig him up or he's going to be fine. Uh, yeah, but I, I think he'll, he'll get a, a big return. I'll get a drift-like return. It's a hollow planet as well, so it's not really... He can just dig down. <laughs> yeah, it digs down, and then he finds all the secrets. She's in a box in the art, at least. She's mm. not in a hole. She's in an actual box. Uh, but he, he could probably punch out of that before his superpowers fade. I mean, he's into the inner surface, and he's, he's fine, he's fine. Mm. I've saved Tailgate through the power of my imagination. Or he's dead, and we'll never see him again. And Cyclonus and Will will get together and have a much better relationship. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be interesting? Uh, so, uh, is that everything and everybody, uh, any, anything Bernie they want to say before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think that's everything from me. Okay, so in that case, Tom, we'll start, we'll start with you this time. What would you like to uh, people to look at that you've been up to recently? Oh, man, I had a busy weekend last weekend. Um, and you guys were there, too. Yeah. We, were, we were your favourite podcast. Uh, the two podcasts you had there, weren't we, Tom? Of all the podcasts, yes. You, you two are my favourite podcast. Um, uh, yeah, uh, we did the Saga of the European King live uh, here in Brighton. Um, and you listeners, you may have missed out on that, but... Uh, right now, I'm editing uh, the video coverage of it. Act one should be up uh, pretty shortly, and then Act two will be up. It'll be good. It's a great jumping-on point uh, for the saga of the European King. And uh, I just realised this morning that uh, there was a review of it, uh, which uh, you can go read on the Badger Online to go see for yourself whether it's worth your YouTube hit. 
And uh, you went to a podcast event, I believe, as well. I did go to a podcast event. Um, there was uh, Amy from Audio Boom uh, was talking. Uh, yeah, it was just good to to meet up with local Brighton podcasters and see what they're up to. It was a good mix between people who had like pretty interesting ideas, people who are um, you know have been like old vets of the been having. There was one guy who had like a podcast in two thousand six. And Ricky Gervais from the earth and uh, an actual uh, uh, crackpots. Um, but yeah, so hopefully. But we weren't some... there. You weren't there. Which category would you fit was into? It? Uh, the, the, the best category. Yeah. The best category. Absolutely. Um, yes, hopefully there'll be more from that angle now that I have announced myself to the podcasting community here in the Southeast. And if, if anyone listening to this ever goes to Brighton, check for trains. Make sure there aren't replaced with buses on. Always, always get a train. That's that's my advice. Uh, Marion, what what are you? Uh, oh, you uh, what's your Twitter, Tom? Sorry as well. Oh, my Twitter at Tyrone McNally. And Marion, what what are you up to? And what is your uh, Twitter? You can find me on Twitter as Morta, and you can find me as Morta on Tumblr as well, and many other different places. And um, you can find me as Mort in different forums. You can find Podcast Maximus on Twitter and the Podcast Maximus, and you can also find us on Facebook. And you can find our website where you can download all of our episodes at TF Archive. And of course, you can also find us on iTunes and other streaming services uh, if that doesn't work for you. Please leave us an iTunes review. Those things are gold and uh, it will make more people pick up the show and, and then that will make us more powerful. They're not too powerful, though. <laughs> no, no, no. We'd, we'd never get... No. <laughs> we we well, like to we want to maintain our indie status this is this is what we indeed, are. Here we are the uh, we have a little podcast for can <laughs> and uh, speaking of podcasts uh, i forgot to mention this on uh, the last one we did so i mentioned it now i've recently guest starred on a uh, a couple of episodes of another podcast yeah i am seeing another podcast now oh ah, so, level like that uh, the Civil D podcast, I think I'm on episodes one and three. But uh, I think all the episodes are, up, uh, are quite good episodes. Uh, you can just listen to them and wait for me to turn up on one. Uh, they're all very young, everybody else on that podcast, very young. Well, um, what, what's, what's the name of the podcast? Uh, Civil Discourse. Uh, and I'm on there talking about... Uh, all sorts of uh, serious uh, fandom issues, uh, largely out of my depth. Uh, so occasionally, some people say good things, so it's, it's well worth listening to uh, for them. And of course, I am continuing as ever with transformation. And uh, the one from uh, the week before last, uh, the uh, issue two hundred and eighty-two one about the K comic is well worth a read because it wound up being quite controversial. And uh, uh, shock, uh, more more than anything I think I've written so far. Actually, all all these years of putting uh, the boots into Transformers comic book writers when I think everyone's something wrong, and it's when I insult Larry Hammer, people get upset. That's, oh, that's where the line is. Yeah, oh, those, oh, those, oh, that, that guy has some fans, man. Oh dear. But uh, but to read it and decide if I was uh, too harsh in uh, what I was saying about it or not. 
uh, aside, I was not too harsh. I think he, he is a bit of a cunt. <laughs> uh, that's that's what makes him good. I mean, Captain uh, Bucky O'Hare. There was a whole weird digression about income tax. Oh, I don't remember that. I mean, Bucky O'Hare. And uh, yeah, the original Larry Hammer comic. Ah. <laughs> that he wrote. Um, yeah, I think that's was the he whole... for or against income tax? Oh, uh, uh, I think you know which one, <laughs> which way he comes down. Oh dear. But uh, yeah, so uh, read that. And of course, Transformations Volume 1 and 2 on Amazon. If you've read them, uh, please leave a five star Amazon review rating. Uh, only five star ones, though. I want to keep my five star average rating up. Uh, uh, that, that, so that'd be great. And uh, on Twitter, I am at Inflatable Dalek. And you can see my slow disintegration and breakdown after every episode of Star Trek Enterprise. Dear God. I mean, they, 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 one yesterday, it was turned out to be a dream. They did an episode where everything in it turned out to be a dream. And that's an episode of television from 2002. And they did a dream episode. A dream episode. Why? And on that note, like Scorpionock, we will return, possibly after a, a gap, like Scorpionock, because that's the sort of way we roll. We like to keep you hanging. And like <laughs> Scorpionock, we really need to go to the toilet. <laughs> what all of us? <laughs> all binary bonded. We share one bladder. And I've that beautiful mental image of us all urinated out of the same office. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you all next time. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. It's tear ducts. <laughs> I can't see why anyone would have given five stars for that. Yeah.